Welcome to the Trailer Cast with Elise Snipes. Each week, I will be sharing with you from inside my vintage trailer where I work as a therapist and share some of my musings on the human experience. I am endlessly fascinated and inspired by people. I love being a therapist and I'm deeply grateful for the intimate and beautiful work I get to do. I believe we are wildly capable of healing and making this world a better place, and this is my attempt at doing that. Sharing beauty to invoke beauty. May you find yourself inside these stories and ponderings and be better for it. Cheers. Okay, so there are some fun things coming up for the trailer cast. In about seven weeks, I get to be a part of something called Rise LA. So I posted a video on Instagram so you can see more about what that is. It's April 6th and 7th. It's at the Alex Theater in Glendale. So basically, this is going to be a two-day conference meets dance party meets Tony Robbins in like the most awesome way possible. Tickets are still available. You can go to letsrise.co. I'm bringing the trailer and I'm going to be doing some Insta giveaways for some one-on-one time. So check it out. I would totally love to meet you there in person. Let'srise.co. Alrighty. Okay, the other fun announcement is this. There have been a lot of people who've been reaching out wanting to come see the trailer. And I think that would be awesome to get to share this space with you. So we're going to be doing some pop-ups in the next couple of months. And so if you're nearby, I would love for you to come see the trailer, meet fellow trailer cast listeners. I think it's going to be really cool to get to see faces in like this place that is so much more like audio than visual. So um, follow me on Instagram at TrailerCasts, and I'm going to be posting locations about the when and where. Okay, so these last few weeks, right? It's been a whirlwind of wonderful for me. And at first I wanted to say that I'm wrapping up this series, but in doing these last few episodes, I kind of realized that this is probably just the tip of the iceberg for me. And so I'm going to keep this legacy series open and probably to sprinkle in some interviews as we go. And it's been a super trippy experience for me getting to look at the extent of some of my historical experience, some of my kind of current relevant experiences, and in the super like compact amount of time. This is really powerful to kind of get to reflect on each unique relationship and to really consider how they're connected and to really kind of feel the idea of being more than the sum total of our parts. You know, I even listened back, which I don't always do, but I did this time. And I, I feel like there's still so much more for me to glean from these experiences and maybe what I even originally had in real time. I think it's cool to get to do that now. You know, it feels like a living investigation rather than some like postmortem autopsy, you know? I mean, how often do we stop and take stock of the meaningful formative relationships we have and explore them together and like be in gratitude together? That was pretty sweet. So today I want to spend some time lingering over some of the crucial parts of these interviews. I want to reflect on that experience in general. And then I also had a lot of people write in with comments or questions, uh, asking for more detail, wanting to have more understanding about certain parts of the process. And so we're going to try and get all that in today too. Um, first, I feel so stinking honored. The idea that I even get to look at these things in some sort of retrospect makes me feel like I'm somewhat on the other side of some things. You know, I feel like I spent a large majority of my life for so long, just trauma or injury, loss, depression, shame. I feel like it kind of clung to me. It's like this weighted cloak. 
I can remember sitting in therapy and trying to kind of feel my way through the dark on some of these big things. It was burdensome, oppressive. I felt like it would last forever. And I also thought that even if I got through, that somehow my life on the other side would be dim. And I think this is why depression is a thief. Robbing joy, hope, promise, both now and from the future. You know, depression's a liar. Stringing together myths of subdued, minimalistic, barely their life, so what's the point? You know, does this sound familiar? You know, if you've had depression, you know this voice. And sometimes it is difficult to differentiate between our own thoughts and depression's influences. Because depression is also a chameleon, camouflaging into your life in a familiar way so you don't even notice the subversive suggestions. Being tired, wanting space, feeling unmotivated, misunderstood, numb, annoyed, pessimistic, motionless. Depression is a thief, a liar, a chameleon. And I want to tell you something. I want to tell you that depression might be all those things. And for so long, you might have felt like you are depressed. And you can personify this experience, pulling it on like a worn winter garment, familiar, appropriate for the season that is your life, protective, keeping you right where you are, confirming your inner monologue and convincing yourself you've chosen all this. And at first, depression might have been somewhere you ended up And eventually, it's a place you can't escape. That's what depression feels like. So I'm going to tell you about an old friend of mine, Michael. I met Michael when I was about 16. I was involved in a club at my high school called Best Buddies. It's where people of all different physical or intellectual and developmental abilities are paired and just get to go do fun things together. And I also aided for the special ed class on campus, so I got to have extra time with everyone. Michael was about 6'4", an easy 300 pounds. He had the most phenomenal imagination and was the best storyteller. He would create these intricate tales of distress and rescue where he got to save the day. We were working on typing one of his stories together when I felt something like shift in the atmosphere between us. He looked up from his screen He looked right into my eyes. He grabbed both my hands and his big fluffy man hands. And he told me in his unique intonation and speech rhythms that I was a prisoner in the tallest tower on the tallest mountain in all the land. And guarding the tower was a dragon, a fire-breathing dragon. And I was a princess in need of rescue, alone, imprisoned, and helpless. But wait, what's that? He gripped my hands tighter, and here comes Michael on his trusty steed spirit. He started galloping us across the room, announcing his heroic efforts. Michael and spirit cross the barren landscape. Michael draws his sword to duel the fire-breathing dragon. Together, Michael and his trusty steed spirit slay the dragon, and Michael begins to ascend the stairs to the tallest tower on the tallest mountain in all the land. Michael finds Princess Elisa's door, knocks it down, and rescues her. You know, in this moment, as he told the story, you guys, we were in it. This was live action, not some fiction assignment we were trying to capture, but it became our very own adventure. The shift, that moment where we went from practicing fine motor skills on Michael's computer in accordance with his IEP to this live enactment 
of the greatest story I've ever been involved in. It was a greater than moment. You know, it's a moment bigger somehow than the one you are inhabiting in time and space. Like there is this other dimension somehow involved now, a greater than moment. And it took me a few days to realize the meaning in the story Michael had created for me. You see, I was trapped during this season in my own life, in a castle of self-preservation, guarded by a dragon of fear, on the tallest mountain of pain, in the most barren desert of self-loathing and depression. Michael didn't know this. Now, I don't even know if I knew this. But as we galloped around the room hand in hand, as Michael rescued me, as spirit set me free, something greater than was happening. And it was my story, my now and not yet story. You see, I got the tower metaphor part right away. I saw that I was using self-preservation as a way to keep myself safe from others. I understood the dragon, my fear, my inability to know who to trust, breathing fire to keep others away, only leaving me more isolated and alone. The mountain of pain, real, sturdy, laden with layers of historical injury. Some recent, some ancient, all stacked there under my tower. A massive reminder of how love or vulnerability leads to woundedness. And there was Michael, and he saw me. And from a long way off, he saw me, and he knew I didn't belong in this tower, but that I also had no clue how to escape my own imprisonment. And last of all, spirit. Spirit was the vessel for freedom. This was the now and not yet part of my journey. It was the beginning of a deep spiritual process, the taste of something bigger than myself and better than anything I could imagine that would make me want to forsake all else in pursuit of it. And I'm still on this journey, this spirit quest. Sometimes my spiritual journey, it looks like traditional things. Helping others, being a good steward, taking care of the poor, being an intentional community. And sometimes it looks like marveling at grains of sand and considering my existence or watching the constellations march across the sky and I let my thoughts float away to concepts like timelessness, eternity, ancient tribes who used these same stars as maps. My spiritual journey has been me being on the receiving end of a whole lot of generous people who let me in, cleaned me up, taught me, cared for me, loved me. And it has been me wanting to share that goodness with the whole world and not wanting anyone else to be alone in a tower on a tall mountain in the desert. Which is what led me to Annie and eventually Sammy. And then here in the trailer, talking about the need to normalize therapy so that whole generations of people won't have to combat the stigma of getting help when you need it. Legacy. Spirit. Greater than moments. So let me connect this Michael moment back to depression. That tower of self-preservation, of keeping myself at a safe distance because of my mountain of experiences that proved my castle life was better, it was a liar, a thief, and a chameleon. Now, sometimes we can build realities out of experience, and instead of protecting us, they isolate us. Sometimes we can respond reflexively to a painful experience. We can close up, shut down, pull away, build a wall, point at the mountain and say, See, this is why castle. We can get in cahoots with depression. Subconsciously, we lose the ability to distinguish our idea from what depression is urging us to do 
until we become one amoebic blob of negativity justifying our bleakness, building the walls higher and higher. So hear this. You need a Michael. You need a someone able to see you and pull you out of that mess. Is it a friend? A therapist? Both? A support group? But you need some physical person or place where you can belong and connect and be you. And you also need a trusty steed spirit. An experience that goes beyond or between or within or through that brings healing and comfort truth, and freedom, and an undeniably greater than experience, that more than the sum of our parts moment. It's the non-physical reality. Then you can reclaim you. Know your voice, write your story, walk in your truth, live in your freedom. And I'm going to tell you, there ain't nothing dim about that. If you listened to the legacy interviews, I'm wondering if you heard this through our words. That in the work of healing, that something more is happening than just two people sitting across from each other. There is both Michael and spirit, both physical and non-physical realities occurring. Think back and listen for it, or think into your own relationships and experiences. The right in front of you thing and the greater than thing. It's there. See, this legacy series It's been an attempt to show you the work that is so often stuck behind the closed HIPAA-compliant doors of therapy. You know, most people don't go to therapy or know what it's like or only hear horror stories about it or have had awful experiences themselves. And so I wanted you to kind of hear for yourself another experience, my experience. And I know that this is not everyone's experience, and I also don't presume to think that I'm speaking to her like all of therapy or anything like that, but I just wanted you to hear something else. So with Annie, she was like this place of softness for me and a place where I could come out from behind my walls and really see if the world was okay. And honestly, to see if I was okay. And I learned in my countless sessions with her, just how to be me, how to put words to things, how to share them with others, how to know my voice, how to speak up, how to make sense of my story how to be gracious with myself. I experienced this sense of like restoration and renewal. In some ways, I guess I also felt ruined. Like now that I had this experience, I wouldn't be able to go back to my own dysfunctional patterns. I mean, it was like I didn't fit back into that old story or script anymore. And so what I hope you heard in my interview with Annie was this genuine sense of compassion, this safety, and this like on-purpose interaction, and how it was less the direct words that we spoke and shared over all those years, and more the experience and safety of the relationship was, that was formed between us. In my interview with Sammy, there's this role switch where I go from being on one side of the couch to the other. And how I am in therapy as the client is, is kind of different than how I work in therapy as the therapist. And maybe you heard that too. You know, I hope you heard power in this interview, advocacy, risk, beautiful, worthy risk that resulted in freedom. And after these interviews were released, I had a lot of questions from some of you, people writing in with all sorts of things that they wanted to know or wanted the kind of behind the scenes info. One of the questions I got was, what is it like to share your story in a public space? Uh, Terrifying, (laughs) liberating, um, 
I've shared parts of my story in different capacities, sometimes in small groups or at churches. Um, but there's a difference between like telling your story in real time and people are only going to be able to remember a couple things than when you tell your story on a podcast that people can continue to re-listen to. And so sharing in a public space here feels, um, like I said, terrifying and liberating. It's a, it's a work to be vulnerable, but it's like, I want it. I want more of it because it's like, this is a space that I'm creating and I want it to be real and honest and raw and in the moment and not super dressed up or figured out, but just kind of where I'm at. So that part feels super liberating. Another question I got was, what is it like to tell your story while it is still in motion? And I would say it's like walking through a minefield. There are some things I want to blow up, but I know better. Some things I am carefully navigating, trying to determine what is mine to tell and what isn't. And so sometimes when we think about telling our story or doing our tell-all, um, and there's parts of our stories that are ours, and then parts of our stories that are connected to other people's, and so how do you split the difference and share your truth without like incriminating or damaging others, at the same time not protecting people that have been injured? You know, it's, it can get complicated, hence the minefield. Um, and I think sometimes you know by setting off a couple things that you didn't realize, and sometimes we're too careful, and we don't go as fully into our truth because we might be still stuck in a cycle of silence or in protecting an abuser or um, just in general fear. Or we're just not there yet. I don't think that there's any right, wrong way or measurement to know if you're living into that freedom. I think that as we tell our story, as it's in motion, that we pay attention to what allows us to become more free rather than more stuck to our old experiences. And I think part of doing this, you do this in private first, right? You might be working on, you might write in your journal, you might talk to a friend, you might talk to a therapist, but you learn to know the difference between when you share something because it's freeing and when you're sharing something because it's damning. And there is a difference and it doesn't feel good to tell more than you should. <laughs> and it doesn't feel good to tell less than you should. And you kind of start to intuit the difference between that. Um, Another question was, will I survive by trauma? Um, you already have. That's the deal with trauma. You've already lived through it. Now we need to untangle you from it. So yes, you will, you have. Will life be good on the other side? Undoubtedly. Will I ever feel normal? Yes. <laughs> You might need to update your definition of what that means to you. I think sometimes you have to live into that space before you realize you're doing it. And then you can look back and have, you're like, whoa, I actually got some moments here, some normal me moments. And you string enough of those together and you feel like you and that's what normal is. Another question was, what do you mean by freedom? Uh, freedom is like spontaneity to me. It's when you, you're not checking yourself, you're not living out of other your fear of other people's response to you or your anticipation of others' response to you. It's just like this like spontaneous version of self that gets to be quiet and sullen if it wants to, or loud and wild if it wants to, or pensive. I don't know. You get to you get to be however you are because you're living out of your true self 
not in reference to somebody else. And not in a way that's like narcissistic either, because it might sound like it's coming out that way, but like freedom is, I don't know, I think when you're in your truest self, that that's good for others too. Okay, and then a lot of people wrote in wanting to know about the table. What do I mean by that? And I think in the, it was a reference to the interview I had with Sammy, and I said if I'm something to the extent of if I'm at a table where there isn't room for everybody, then clearly I'm at the wrong table. And so for me, I'm going to answer this in a whole nother episode because um, I feel like I have, I'm really learning to try to put words to my faith experience or spirituality or the table or whatever I want to call it. And so I really want to take the time to like kind of delicately put that together. So I will tell you that it started with a girl named Dominga. We met in Mexico in the dust and she changed my life. And I'm going to tell you right now that I know that the meaning of her name is not lost on me, that Dominga means Sunday. And I want to talk about how Sunday continued to change my life. So we'll do that another time. But here's what I want to close with. Normalize therapy. That's what I'm wanting to do here. That's what I'm wanting to do in my life. I, I want you to know that it's only weird if you make it weird. <laughs> I spoke to this group of moms last week, and something came up there that I want to share here. It's in reference to our work being for the world. And in this specific group as moms, I shared this. We are not raising kids. We are raising adults. Adults who are going to be gracious, sensitive, aware, and courageous. Adults who won't feel the stigma or weirdness of therapy or asking for help because you showed them getting help is brave and that having a place for self-care and working through your stuff is healthy and life-giving and the most beautiful thing ever. And that this is how whole generations change. And eventually we can like lift the social consciousness because we do better now. We talk about our stuff now. We don't build castles of I'm fine and live with dragons that breathe fear because I don't need help and I handle my stuff alone. Please, <laughs> please lower the drawbridge. Step out. A kingdom of magic awaits. Thanks for listening. To connect with me, suggest a topic for the show, or ask a question from your own life you would like to have answered, email me at elise at trailercast.com. E-L-Y-S-E at trailercast.com. You can also see more on the TrailerCast website or follow me on Instagram at TrailerCast, where you can watch the renovation of my vintage mobile office and see more from behind the scenes. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes and tell your friends. 